This is 52 Gifts, and I'm Bernadette, here to tell you about my big, little project to bring more smiles to the people in my life by sending them the perfect gifts. For birthdays, anniversaries, holidays, or mainly just because, this is where I share all the details with you so you can enjoy these 52 gifts, too. Greetings and salutations. Welcome to 52 Gifts, a podcast made by me, Bernadette Mack, who is not a podcaster, but who really wants to share her tales of gift giving and making donations. I am a consultant to nonprofits during my day job, and this project has really driven home the idea that even small contributions have value. I mean, that's a thing that we say, right? Every gift counts, you know, small gifts add up, but on a, on the donor's side, it doesn't always feel that way. Sometimes we feel like if we can't give something significant, whatever that means to you, a hundred dollars, a thousand dollars, a million dollars, whatever, that it's not going to be worth the effort to give it or that it's not going to really matter. And sometimes I feel like it will somehow seem even worse just to give $10 or $20 than to not give at all. I'm not saying that this is rational thinking, but I do appreciate that these feelings sometimes stand in the way of donating, and I know it did for me. So now because of this project, I have to not care about the amount because I have to make the gift. It is what it is. And I got to tell you, even my $25 donations feel really fun and exciting now. So that's part of this podcast too, highlighting nonprofits and just proving that even small gifts are important. Don't hold back, just do it. As this project rolls on, I can see a difference in the way that I think about myself. Before I'd say, oh, I'm a person who likes to give gifts to people and I'm a person who sometimes makes donations. But now I'm starting to think, I'm a gift giver. I'm a donation maker. It's part of who I am in a bigger way now, and it's not just something that I do sometimes. It's kind of a small shift, granted, but it's also a pretty cool one. So if you're listening now, that's what you're signing up for, some gift-giving talk and some nonprofit discussions. And the nonprofits I've stumbled upon so far have been very interesting. A lot of great places that I hadn't heard of or really bothered to learn much about. But because nonprofits are where I've accidentally spent my entire career, I can't also help but offer some suggestions for improvement from time to time. Even the biggest organizations with the best resources have room to improve sometimes, so my suggestions should not be taken as criticisms. Nonprofit organizations are really important to our society, and they improve the quality of life for people and communities throughout the United States and abroad. And without the people who work and volunteer tirelessly in nonprofits, we'd be without so many vital programs, services, and spaces and places that keep this whole world ticking and support our families, friends, and neighbors. So if you're listening, I'm hoping that you're taking my observations about nonprofits in the spirit in which they're intended. 
to improve and advance nonprofit business everywhere. So we'll kick off this week's episode with a little review of what has happened with the nonprofits I've donated to so far, particularly in terms of communication. I did a quick scan of my inbox and I noticed how few of the nonprofits I've donated to have made contact with me since the donation. I now receive a newsletter from the Jacques Pepin Foundation, the Roswell Park Alliance, Haywood Street, and I was already on the regular mailing list for the Wayne Theater and Rocktown History because they're clients of mine. So only those organizations really have sent me regular communications. Haywood Street in particularly, in particular, <laughs> has consistently emailed me since I made my donation in January. I get a newsletter each week, and that's no easy feat. A newsletter is a lot of work. If you've ever been in charge of making a newsletter, you know it's a lot of work and time. Even if you don't write it all personally, contributors need to be lined up, they need to be coached, they have to be reminded and reminded and reminded, and then they have to be edited. So even a well-oiled newsletter takes a lot of effort. And what Haywood sends is really interesting. They have their usual business, the programs, events, and maybe like special guests. But then they also have some sort of feature article, which is usually a firsthand account from somebody on their staff or somehow associated with Haywood. If you haven't listened to episode eight, Gifts That Suck, or if you just don't remember, Haywood Street Congregation is a faith-based organization in Asheville, North Carolina, whose mission is centered around this idea of radical welcome. So they have a calling to include everyone in their programs and services, people of every ability and disability, housed and yet to be housed, economic status, marital status, health status, etc., etc., from the start, as my friends and I were passing by that building that day, I just recognized something special about Haywood before I even knew what it was. So I actually read their newsletters most of the time, and I'm happy to be acquainted and connected with it now. I'm pretty sure that I'll make further future contributions to Haywood, and maybe I'll even visit there one day if we go back to Asheville. And Granted, I don't actually know what the place is like on a day-to-day -day basis and how well things are run there, but I can say that they're doing marketing, relationship building, and fundraising right. And all the while, they appear to just show up as they are. Like, this is us, this is what we stand for, and this is how you can fit in here. But really, the rest of the organizations haven't said boo since I sent in money. And most notably, big organizations like the American Heart Association and the Community Foundation of Hospices haven't sent anything. And look, I'm not saying I want more email. Nobody does. But when someone raises their hand or their wallet to say, I'm interested in what you do, 
it should be part of your process to add them into your communications. Besides, if you're able to stay in front of a new donor, that'll help when you ask for another donation. And when someone makes a second donation, the likelihood that they're going to keep on giving goes way, way up. So organizations of every size, not just the big nationals, really need to recognize the importance of communication and new donor onboarding. I know that's like nonprofit industry speak, but if nobody knows about the incredible work that a nonprofit is doing, how or why would they send money for it? So I'm just, I'm keeping my eye out for small organizations that are prioritizing their communication, but I have a feeling that they'll be few and far between. Lately, I've had occasion to give a lot of gifts and many that won't appear on this podcast because they're duplicates. I'm either giving repeat gifts to the same people, which is probably pretty common because we give multiple gifts to the same people that are in our closest circles throughout the year, or they're the same gift given to multiple people. Like I have a new favorite book and I want to give it to a bunch of different people. But I want to keep things interesting here by mixing it up and presenting you with new people and gifts as much as I can. But we've had birthdays, confirmations, and other events over the last few weeks that we've had to give gifts for, or not had to, but you know, they warranted gifts. And even though I'm not describing them here, I can assure you they're just as fun to give. I also want to report in on a gift that I received. I recently got a great gift that gave me some inspiration and a great idea that I plan to use. I received a $10 Starbucks e-gift card from the Boston-based web designer, Jenny Belanger. She sent me this little surprise gift because I I referred new clients to her. And Jenny and I have collaborated a few times in the last couple of years on blog posts and things, and we also presented a live website review session for nonprofits where she talked about the layout and the design elements, and I talked about the copy and all the writing. So the three nonprofits we selected from the applicants that applied received some free advice on quick ways to improve their websites. And just working with Jenny, I know that she is just such a kind and knowledgeable professional, and I love to refer people to her because I know she's going to treat them well and do an excellent job. So the fact that she sent me this little thank you gift was just icing on the cake. I was totally delighted by it, which is the goal, right? You just you want to delight people, especially in the business realm. Like that is what you're striving for. Delight people, make them happy, and give them what they want. So I was delighted by it. And for that reason, I'm going to make it a habit of sending something similar to people who send me referrals. I mean, it's like kind of a no-brainer. Like, duh, you should send a gift to somebody who refers business to you. But I mean, I just, I wasn't doing it. And the fact that I received that called attention to it. And I'm like, oh yeah, I want to be doing that. So It's another example of how the value of a gift 
ends up being so much more than the actual cost. Okay, so on to the reason for this week's podcast. Gift number 16 is Squares of Knitting and a donation to Sweet Adeline's International. And although last week I described this episode as having distinct granny vibes, I want to acknowledge that people of all ages knit and women of all ages are members of Sweet Adeline's. But it is a fact that knitting is stereotypically considered something that a grandmother type person does. And most of the Sweet Adelines that I know happen to be grandmothers. So that is my disclaimer about that description. (laughs) If you're a non-granny singer or um, knitter, then don't take offense. (laughs) So back when the pandemic was in full force and many people started to look for things to keep them busy at home, I started painting rocks with mandala patterns, mandala, mandala, whatever, patterns. (laughs) You know, you know what they are. And I also took to YouTube to learn to knit. My daughter Rowan did that as well. She can sew and now she can knit and also she crochets and basically she can make anything. She is a maker and a builder. And I really admire those qualities in her so much. It was a little bit more challenging for me to pick up knitting, but um, I had a lot of do-overs and not-so-perfect scarves that I tried to make, but I did manage to make a couple of things and send them to family members. It's a really fun hobby when you're in the mood, especially in the wintertime, I feel like. So my cousin Jade got married last year And my Aunt Becky put together a blanket out of knit or crochet squares made by any family and friends who wanted to participate. So Rowan made a square for that blanket, but I didn't get one finished, or at least not one that was good enough to send in. So it was great, and the finished product was so beautiful. It makes such a wonderful personal gift. Handmade gifts, especially ones that a person is likely to use or see on a regular basis are just so extra special because you can really appreciate the time and the effort that someone or many someone's in this case put into creating it for you. So when the plan for the next wedding blanket came together, I jumped at the chance to participate this time. The one that's being created now is a retroactive wedding blanket. And it's for another cousin of mine, Emily, who got married during COVID and no one except the parents could attend. So now Aunt Becky is putting together a blanket for her after the fact. And even though it's a couple of years on, I have no doubt it will be just as amazing and appreciated. My Aunt Becky is the queen of creating incredible blankets. She made baby blankets for all three of my children, and they still have them on their beds and sometimes still carry them around to this day. She even sent a replacement blanket to my youngest because he loved his so hard that it started to fall apart. So now he uses both. He did not replace it. He just uses both. So blankets are kind of Aunt Becky's thing, and you just, you really have to be 
such a thoughtful and dedicated person to create something with your hands that takes time, effort, and skill, and then and then give it away. And the value of these blankets really cannot be quantified. In the example of my children's blankets, they've provided them with warmth, comfort, and security since they were newborn babies. And who knows, maybe they'll even get passed down to their children. Needless to say, the tradition of making and gifting blankets that my Aunt Becky has created within our family has really become extraordinary. So the instructions this time were to make eight by eight squares in shades of gray or black. You can pick which type of yarn to use, the shade, whatever stitch you want, whether you want to knit or crochet, pretty much anything goes as long as they're the correct size and in the proper color scheme. This way, all of the squares are unique and the more variations, the more beautiful the blanket comes out. Plus, not everybody is an expert knitter, so those small imperfections also add to the charm and the appeal of the finished product. And no two blankets will be the same. So I did it. I made squares. I actually got on a roll, and I was able to make four of them before the deadline. And I think they came out great. It's definitely my best effort to date on knitting. So I did have to re-watch YouTube. I love sheep and stitch videos. If If you're wanting to learn to knit, check out sheep and stitch because they're really easy to follow and they get straight to the point, which I like. You can see a photo of my squares on the website and on Instagram, and hopefully one day soon, I'll get a photo of the finished blanket. I have a lot of first cousins, and another one is getting married this year, so I hope we'll have a chance to do another blanket. It was really fun, and I enjoyed being part of a larger project and helping create something special and unique that will be treasured for years and years to come. Now it's time for the donation of the week. It's a gift to Sweet Adeline's International. And this was a Facebook birthday fundraiser coordinated by my mother-in-law, who is a member of Sweet Adeline's. It's one of the world's largest singing organizations for women. Sweet Adeline's isn't just any singing group, though. They are dedicated to a cappella singing in the barbershop style. So if you've heard of a barbershop quartet, usually you'd think of four men in skimmer hats and striped jackets. But barbershop is a specific singing style, and it involves harmonies and no instrumental accompaniment. Sweet Adeline members are trained and educated in the barbershop style, and they perform and compete all over the world. And they don't wear those same costumes. They have much more fabulous and heavily sequined attire. And every group comes up with their own styles for their shows and their competitions. So this is a nonprofit organization based in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And they reportedly have around 21,000 members. My mother-in-law has been involved with Sweet Adelines and active in her local choruses and quartets for many, many years. 
She has made such wonderful friends and had so many fun times because of her involvement. And we've been able to watch that and, you know, and see that happen. And we just see how much fun and joy she derives from being part of that group. So I sang in three choruses in high school and I continued to sing a little bit in college. So I can appreciate firsthand that there is nothing like singing with a group. When all the people and the parts come together, it's really a magical experience. No exaggeration. Some of my most incredible memories from high school were our vocal performances under the direction of the one and only Marsha Jim Brownie. So for all the ways that my mother-in-law benefits from being a part of the Sweet Adeline's organization, and for all the ways they enrich the lives of women through singing, I was more than willing to donate to her birthday fundraiser. You can learn more about supporting Sweet Adeline's or maybe how to become a member yourself by visiting their website, which is listed in the show notes. So that'll do it for this week's gift, knitted squares for my cousin's wedding blanket and a donation to Sweet Adeline's International. Join me again next week for more homespun gifts and a donation to help bring peace and justice to an unsolved crime. See you next week. If you liked this episode, I thank you for giving it a shot. And I encourage you to share it with a friend. We can all use a little more positive content in our lives, eh? Also, subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and leave a review. If you have questions or comments about this week's gifts, or if you have suggestions for future gift ideas or donations, I'd love to hear them. Email them to me at 52gifts at BernadetteMac.com. It's the number 52GIFTS at BernadetteMac.com and be sure to check out the photos of each weekly gift at BernadetteMac.com forward slash 52 gifts or on Instagram at 52 gifts pod. You can show your love for this podcast by heading on over to BernadetteMac.com forward slash 52 gifts and become a supporter and 52 gifts is produced and hosted by Bernadette Mac. Our writer is Bernadette Mac with research provided by Bernadette Mack. Our editor is Bernadette Mack. Social media support provided by, you guessed it, Bernadette Mack. See you next week. Thank you, ladies.